What's up and welcome in to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Joining me today, we got the whole crew. Will Gottlieb at Won't Gottlieb, our Bulls insider extraordinaire. Big Dave at Bow, B-A-W-L Sports. And our guy, Mark K. The K stands for Karen Zola's people. You follow him on Twitter at MK Hoops. Guys, how's everybody's work from home day going so far? Mark, you're already on your Friday. We're still stuck on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the good news for me. But having said that, my my son's going through a sleep regression at the moment. So I've had about four hours sleep. The Bulls embarrassed themselves yesterday. And I've had uh, MBOP in my head for the last 24 hours. So I'm pretty damn pissed off right now. But um, other than that, can't complain. Don't going well. How are you guys? <laughs> Wait, I'm well, sorry, you did you say Mbop like the Hanson song? Mbop? Yeah, that stupid freaking song. Yeah, it's been in my head for the last 24 hours. So uh... I've never heard anyone call it Mbop before. Well, it's what's it called? Mbop. Mbop. Mm. Oh, sorry. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> I'm I'm testing today. I was about to launch off, but uh, I, I saw it. Saw, I saw it coming too. He was on his way. Dive in. I know that's the angry meter when we need it. Will. Yeah, I know it well from working with Matt. I know when somebody's about to jump off that end right there. And you are on your yeah, way. I was about to go, yeah, who gives a shit? It's M-Bop or right. M-Bop? Like, who cares? Oh, come on, man. That was like one of my favorite ch- songs of childhood. You can't you can't mispronounce oh, that one. It's a classic. Yeah. Big Dave, Will, how we doing? Oh, I'm the Hanging only one in. happy in here. Trust me. <laughs> I'm the only one happy in here. Frustrated with the team, but the only one. That is probably mentally well about it. So, yeah, let's get going. <laughs> yeah. Well, so speaking of uh, Big Dave being the only happy person here because he's always happy, the rest of us are upset. Why are we upset? Because the Bulls are playing like doo-doo recently. Uh, back-to-back blowout losses at the hands of Milwaukee and Boston, two teams they could potentially see in their upcoming first-round playoff series. So we thought we would spend today's podcast just kind of talking about how exactly we got here and what exactly has gone wrong um, and then we'll wrap up the show with uh, a look at maybe some some misplaced anger and frustration among Bulls Nation, at least according to our pal Mark here, uh, when it comes to who is to blame for this r- ridiculous nosedive that the Bulls are enduring as they near the end of the regular season. Um, so I'm thinking let's 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 kind of split what's gone wrong into both sides of the floor. We'll start with offense and then we'll go to defense, guys. Um, Because to me, offense has been a bigger story and a bigger problem because this Bulls team was mediocre defensively and are kind of still mediocre defensively, depending on the category, depending on the stat. This Bulls offense went from a dominant top five offense for the first half, two thirds of the season, Will, Hmm. to now like a bottom five offense. We obviously have talked about the lack of three-point shooting, the drop in three-point efficiency, and some of the ways that the Bulls have struggled to deal with some of these double teams and traps that they've seen. What to you is at the the crux of this offensive downslide? Well, I think just before getting into the details, like, you know, it's, it's just kind of like incredible to think about how far they've dropped. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before in all of my years watching the NBA where a team 75% of the season after 75% of the season, they were in first place in the conference. And since then are seven and 14 and are just like laying eggs out here, completely not competing with anybody who's above 500. You know, they're 
the the games that they're winning are basically just like pray DeMar can score 50. And it's just like astounding to me that, that it's gotten to this place. Um, when you start to look at the things that were working well for them in the first half of the season, um, you know, it was only like 21 games ago at this point, but it's just like hard to remember how good of a team they were and how real I think, you know, before we uh, launched CHGO, Mark and I on, on Bulls HQ would discuss like the fact that this was a real contender. And I think it's like hard to remember that, but I think it's true. Like they were playing such good basketball and, um, you know, you can talk about the injuries or the tough schedule or things just like regressing to the mean in a very severe kind of way, but truly incredible swing over these last 21 games. Mm. Yeah, look, I'm off two minds. Like if you look at the shot profile and the way the Bulls score the ball, it's sort of not surprising um, that there was going to be some level of regression. I mean, you know, having said that, obviously the Suns have a, a very similar shot profile and they're one of the one of, if not the best team in the NBA. But so so some of it maybe should be expected in that sense. But at the same time, we've, we've seen them do this for so much of the season that it does feel strange. Like it's not like it's, it was a two-week thing and then all of a sudden the team's just, you know, regressed back to the mean type thing. Like this was the case for 60-odd games that were a top five offense or whatever it may be. Essentially since March, They've been a bottom five offense. The offensive rating has just just dropped off completely. Why that is, I, I, it, it's it's odd because they're doing so many of the same things as they were before. It's just not working now for whatever reason. Maybe it's because teams have figured them out. I don't particularly think that's the reason. I, I, I'm at the point now where I'm wondering if you know the the tolls of this season has has just effectively taken its taken its toll. Like to me. And you can look at this from a multiple um, angles, but like the, the execution is sloppy. The the attention to detail on defense has regressed, not to suggest that they were ever a, a top-line defense or anything like that, but they're making so many mistakes that they weren't previously. I, I just kind of wonder if, you know, the fact that they haven't been a, a contender, the fact that they continuously rack up these injuries, that, you know, these sorts of things have sort of taken your mental toll to the point where the resilience that the team has you know, had at least initially in the season, like that's just completely, completely zapped to the point where it's filtering in virtually every facet of the game at this point. And we, and I wonder if that's true defensively, but more, you know, to the point here, I wonder if that's true offensively because they're not necessarily doing anything that different to what they were doing before. It's not like their their shot profile has changed dramatically. It's not like their players have changed dramatically. Um, it's just not working. And I, I, maybe I'm making excuses, but to me, it's. Uh, the less tangible things that I'm um, that I'm starting to question at this point. Yeah, I would say like it's it's wild because if anything was good for the Bulls, like it was the offense, like scoring was the superpower for this mm-hmm. team. It was the thing that you could just simply rely on. Like you guys said, we already knew what the defense was. We knew what Lonzo and we knew what Caruso were masking. We already knew that. So we were like, well, if one of those guys are going to be out, at least we could outscore these other teams, which is exactly what they were doing. The scoring was really high. But it feels like everyone's fear of what they thought what this team would be early on in the season and the types of losses they would have, it seems like their fears have come true times two. You know what I mean? Like it's been extra for it. Watching Derrick Jones Jr. uh, struggle from three, even though I'm not saying he's a great three-point shooter, but – Zero <laughs> is, is really bad. Uh, you know, watching Kobe White 
Not saying he, you know, is a guy who he's up and down like that, but 8% in your last five games, it's really just, that's crazy. Uh, Ayo Desumu, um, again, not saying he's 50% shooter, but he went from 40 to the low 30s, you know what I'm saying, after the All-Star break. Uh, Zach Levine, I think we can look and say, you know, the knee injury and all that stuff, but it feels like he's, we've seen more of the old Zach Levine offensively than this new version of Zach we were watching earlier in the first half of the season where he, where he wasn't committing so many of the turnovers, where he wasn't stepping out of bounds all the time, you know, where he wasn't taking ill-advised shots. Um, and DeMar, well, DeMar DeRozan has just been DeMar DeRozan. It's just what he is. And it feels like all that has kind of come up, uh, caught up with this team and rearing its ugly head right now. And I don't even think uh, it's the losses, guys, that I think we all understood that when they go against these elite teams, they were probably going to lose these games. I don't think anybody is shocked by that. But the way, like Will said, this is the way that they're kind of losing these games, not even in it. Like they don't even belong on the floor with anybody on, on that on that court, like from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, And that's what's been really, really weird and strange because no facet has worked, but the offense has been one that's been particularly strange. Yeah, I want to I want to focus on the shot profile here for a second. Mark brought it up, and I think it's a really good point where um, basically they're relying so heavily on mid range jumpers, which Jamar is one of probably the top three or four mid range guys in the league. And like by all means, green light, like ultimate green light for him. Um, But and, and we talk about like margin for error with this team. And I think, you know, when you're allowing almost the most shots in the league at the rim on defense and you are taking the fewest threes in the league by a significant margin and you are shooting the highest percentage on threes in the league over the first 60 games. It's like all these things just completely flipped. And um, I think to a certain extent that's to be expected, right? Like you're not going to necessarily get 82 to you know 95 games of Iodasumu and Derek Jones Jr. and Javante Green all shooting above 40% on threes. Like I think that was that was never going to be the case. But to me what's just wild is the degree to which everybody has dropped off. Um they are really you know I've said this a million times, but like they really are battling against math. And when these things start to go wrong and they start to snowball, I think it's just it's really insurmountable. And you know, you look at the injuries. Um, Crusoe's obviously not playing at the level that he was before breaking his wrist. Uh, Zach Levine is, you know, probably sixty or seventy percent of what he was. Um, does does you know missing Lonzo Ball turn you from the number one, number number four team in the league to like the number twenty seventh team? I don't know, but it's like all of these things kind of happening at the same time. Um, I, I, it's just truly amazing how much things have dropped off. And, um, you know, if, if it is just a matter of like shots going in, you know, Billy has said repeatedly that he likes the shots that they're getting. Um, but the attention to detail is not there. Like if it is just a, a make or miss situation, I, I don't know what you do about any of this. And I think that's really where the frustration comes in is like, they can't even identify what it is that they're doing wrong. And if you can't identify it, then how are you supposed to fix it? Right. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like the shot profile thing to me is definitely a big factor because the Bulls went from being a team, as you were saying, that was wildly efficient from the mid-range where fewer and fewer teams are are even making that an element of their offense anymore. And they were able to have a dominant offense with that coupled with a very lethal transition game and a transition offense and a transition offense that also had guys who were able to knock down threes as a part of that transition offense. And now that has basically entirely disappeared uh, because the Bulls defense isn't creating turnovers at the same rate as they were. And guys aren't knocking down their shots in transition. Plus the efficiency of mid range, mostly DeMar has, has come down um, and, and not drastically, but come down enough so that their game plan offensively isn't working. I, I mean, like, the, the Suns are the other team you look at all season long to say, like, how is this offense so efficient when they're getting a lot of their stuff in the mid-range? Well, they are still far and away the exception to the rule. The Bulls came back and joined the rest of the pool. And I think the other thing that's been interesting to me, and I was digging into numbers a little bit earlier today, is that the Bulls offense kind of fallen off this cliff has happened simultaneously with other teams around the league and their offense is picking up. If you guys recall, early on this season – there was like a weird just like drought across the NBA. Nobody could hit their shots, even if they were open looks. It was like all of these high-scoring trends in NBA offenses over the last handful of seasons, and every team came out of the gate ice cold this year, whereas the Bulls were fairly efficient. If you look at some of their like offensive rankings pre- and post-All-Star break, it tells one story. I think it tells an even more fascinating story when you compare what their first – half of the season ranks were and if they stayed where they were what they would be now the Bulls points per game was seventh before the all-star break if it stayed where it was post all-star break it would instead be 19th their number one field goal percentage across the NBA pre all-star break would now be 11th their second best three-point percentage pre all-star break would now be 12th post all-star break uh, their assist to turnover ratio has basically stayed the same all season at 1.8. That was eighth pre all-star break post all-star break. It's 15th. Their fourth offensive rating pre all-star break had it stayed the same post all-star break would be 20th. So while the bulls offense has fallen, every offense around the league seemingly has started drilling all of their shots. And it's just sort of exacerbated how bad the bulls offense looks by comparison. Yeah, and if yeah, you I watch mean... it, you, you kind of see what's happening is is also weird about it is we see good teams always getting it together late. That's really what it's used to, right? And the Bulls doing what they did so early on was just not the norm. That's why everybody was so shocked that they came out like, and everybody was expecting it to fall. If you guys remember during that first West Coast trip, everybody expected it to fall right then and there. That's when it was supposed to end. That's when all that joy was supposed to be over. It didn't. They continued to go on. They continued to win. They continued to shoot well and play good basketball. But then when the lead team started hitting them in the face after that all-star break, and like you said, Matt, like they started hitting all those shots. Nobody was missing. If you guys remember that Boston game, because Matt and I were sitting there watching it, everything, it felt like every single shot that went up, it was going in. It didn't matter. And it was the complete opposite for the Chicago Bulls. And it's wide open looks that I'm also saying. I understand the scheme and we get all that. But and we understand Lonzo being gone, we get all that. But a wide open shot is still a wide open shot in the NBA, and they're not making them. And it's just in and out, 
off the backboard, off the side of the rim. You know, they're not even close shots. And that's what's been disheartening and strange, Mark, when, when you're looking at this kind of thing. Yeah, look, a couple of things are running through my my mind now as we're sort of talking this through. But like yesterday, there was a, a second unit lineup on the court. Um, it was either the first quarter or the second quarter, whatever it was. But it was basically DeMar surrounded by Tristan Thompson, Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr. and Kobe White. And, you know, instinctively, I think we all know that lineup offensively is extremely problematic. And we shouldn't be surprised when a lineup like that goes through scoring routes or when the offense devolves into a very ISO-driven type offense where DeMar is just basically taking all the shots within the second unit. Like, we... We know that's going to happen based on the roster or that specific unit and the way it's constructed around DeMar. But, you know, for for whatever reason, for so much of the season, like that was working. DeMar was uh, able to sort of propel those sorts of lineups, you know, past the expected mean or, or, you know, the the expected field goal percentage or just general expectations. Like, but instinctively, like, like we kind of already know deep down, like that lineup just functionally isn't going to work. But, whatever reason was working but now isn't necessarily doing that but something that i always have to remind myself is that the court is connected both ends of the court is connected so you know with with the defense sliding and look the the bulls obviously were a top 10 10 defense at one point but essentially since the turn of the year to you know as we entered 2022 the defense started to slide so we've you know matter already referenced the fact that you know, transition opportunities have been limited and obviously because of, you know, having Caruso and, and, and Monzo out of the lineup for so long. But what, what that does ultimately is if you're not for, if you're not getting stops, you're not playing in transition, you're ultimately, you know, settling into the half court more often than maybe what you would have been doing previously. And if things are starting to go wrong in the half court offense and more of your offense is now weighted toward that and you're not necessarily getting three points because of transition opportunity, fast breaks, your three-point percentage is, or your three-point attempts is, is drying up. Like, Will, was it this week or last week you wrote about the three-point issue that the Bulls have had, which has been a, a problematic um, issue for the Bulls all season, but it's just sort of been magnified. So I, th- I think we have to remember as well, and I know we're going to talk about the defense, but the offense is connected to the defense and vice versa. So that's ultimately playing its part too. Well, I think the the sort of the part where that 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 kind of stops for me is like the stuff that you can control versus the stuff that you can't control. And mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about defense, and and we can dig into that more separately, but um, like these rotations and these executions of you know getting over screens and containing two in pick and pick and roll drop coverage. Um, which by the way, the bulls do run Um, (laughs) like these are things that you can control and that shouldn't like bleed into the rest of their game. Whereas like the missed shots and you know, like I I just, I know I've brought it up already, but like the fact that Billy is like happy with the shots that they're getting and I, I don't disagree with it, but like the, the sort of solution is, or like, you know, the, the prognosis is like, we just make shots. Like, I don't know. Is it, is it just like this team is mentally weak? Like how mm. come, like, what do you, what do you do? What's the solution for missing shots? Because at this point, like, I don't know that you can just like wait around to break out of a slump again. And I'm, I'm not sure that like they're trending, they're ever going to like get in that direction because the way that their sort of mental makeup seems to work right now is like, once you start missing shots, you start missing even more shots. And like missed shots, we get more missed shots. 
And I just don't know what the solution is here mm. because if, if everything is like going right in terms of shot profile, in terms of um, where they're getting looks in terms of who's getting, you know, shots and where, like, what, what do you do? And I think what's wild is it feels, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it feels sadly familiar of what we were dealing with previously, as far as when things go bad, they go really, 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 really bad. And just watching them when, I think Will has said this a lot, just they quit when things just aren't going right for them. When one thing goes bad or one team makes a run or makes a play, they're just like, well, that's it. I remember them doing that a lot <laughs> in mm-hmm. the previous regimes. And it's lot. like in the first quarter, they get like, yeah. they they give up like a four or six a run. And it's like the game is over that's six it, minutes right. in. Right. And they, just stop. and they just stop playing. And that six Oh run can also be like them missing, like maybe four straight shots and going on a scoring drought. And they're like, well, we're never going to score again kind of mentality when it happens. And on the defensive end, you know, the effort if what I always will be pissed at uh, just they, if they hit the shot, they hit the shot. But if you're not trying, you know what I mean? If you're not out there putting forth the effort to stop them, that's when I'm going to get pissed. And I see that far too often now post this uh all-star break but we'll get into defense later but yeah that all that's what's so strange when they start missing those shots and they go on those droughts and i don't know what's being said in the timeout or how they feel in the timeout but they come out and and it's the same thing you know what i mean and nothing changes it's the same exact thing they're like well we'll shoot these same shots again but the confidence in what they're shooting them isn't there you know what i mean anymore so when it was harmonious early on to start you guys saw it it, it felt mm-hmm. good. Like there, there was a uh, confidence in that team. You know what I'm saying? They, they walked with a little bit of a swagger. You know, it was there. You felt now, like every Javante corner three was going in. Yeah, yeah. And and now and now it's just simply not there. And now, yeah. And Io too. I felt like all his corner shots were going in as well. Every time it went up, Derrick Jones Jr. as well. Like you just felt that way. And now it's just like, oh man, I don't know what's gonna happen when these shots go up now. I mean, yeah, it's like clearly there's some kind of confidence missing because it's noticeable in those numbers as you see the, the Bulls, you know, volume go down with those three-point shots. And, you know, they, they could survive high efficiency on low volume earlier this season. As we saw, they can't survive with the efficiency they're hitting at now coupled with an even lower volume. Uh, that's that's clearly tied to confidence. All right, we'll, we'll talk about the defense next, uh, coming up in just a minute. But first, Big Dave, tell the people mm-hmm. about the points bet. I'm back to back winner betting on the Bulls opponents to cover the spreads, baby. Let's go, <laughs> guys. I'm now. I'm not happy anymore. Now I'm sad because we just talked about this Bulls. You should offense. be happy. I'm giving you free but advice now, on easy money. Bet see, against Matt, the gotta, Bulls. Come on, Matt. Let me get there. You gotta let me drive the car on this, baby. I got it. <laughs> I was going there. I was getting us there, man. All right. I'm getting us there. But that's what I was gonna say. Why I'm so happy. And why I should be so happy is because you got to put your money on points bet. And that's what brings a smile to my man Peck's face when he's parlay Peck out there. That's what happens, y'all, when he makes this money. Don't you want to be this kind of joyous? I think you do. Because the best way to support CHGO is to download that points bet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you'll get two, count them, risk one, two, risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive that free CHGO membership, which unlocks all that web content, 
And you'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt from that CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. And also introducing PointsBet's live NBA same-game parlay for the first time ever. You can build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, because I know you do. You can also boost your live same game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, boost live, all with points bet. And all the people in Illinois, you can download that points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You don't have to go outside in this foolish weather. I was out there earlier today. I'm not lying to you. It rained and then it turned to sleep. And then, then two minutes later, the sun came out. It, it, I, I, it was all true. I saw it. It's insane out there. Stay inside and just download that app and register from start to finish from your phone. Because what are you waiting for? Because once that game starts, you don't just bet. Will, tell them what you do. You live your bet life. With points, bet. Do it. <laughs> shout out, speaking of the Chicago Weather's Day, shout out to those Cubs fans who braved it for, for the oh. Cubs opening day. And shout out to them for getting a W over the Milwaukee Brewers. Nobody Ooh. expects this Cubs team to be decent this season. But if you can start the year with a win over Wisconsin, good for them. They did something the Bulls have failed to do all season long. Beat a team from Milwaukee. Yay, oh. Cubs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you please, Marquette. Hey, Marquette looked like the emperor from Star Wars on that one. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let us now shift our focus to the Bulls on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Um, a lot of their defensive stats have actually somehow gotten better post all-star break compared to before the all-star break. Um, like their the three point, uh, percentage of their opponents, um, it was, uh, 36.3 which was 26th in the NBA. After the All-Star break, it's right around the same, 36.9, but that's 17th. Like I was saying earlier, like every other NBA team is shooting the lights out in this final stretch of the season, so a lot of these rankings are skewed. To me, I looked and saw a big drop in two places, and they are very much correlated. The Bulls were the fourth best team in defensive rebounding percentage in the NBA before the All-Star break at 74%. Mm -hmm. After the All-Star break, that defensive rebounding percentage has fallen to 72.1, which doesn't seem like a big drop compared to 74, but it's 19th. And correlating to that, second chance points. The Bulls were the third best defense in the NBA, limiting their opponent's second chance points before the All-Star break. They are now 19th in that category. Gotta rebound that freaking basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Billy has sort of alluded to it repeatedly that like if they're going to be a low three-point volume team and a high mid-range volume team, they need to win the four factors. And the four factors are effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, and free throw rate. And essentially what that means is you need to shoot at a high percentage from the floor, obviously. Um, you can't turn the ball over. You need to prevent the opponent from getting offensive rebounds, and you need to get to the free throw line. And... I think they were doing, you know, three, they were doing all four of those things pretty well in the first, you know, 60 games of the season, right? Like DeMar was shooting at a very high level. The rest of the team uh, was chipping in high three point percentage around him. Uh, they've, they've been one of the league's best turnover teams um, 
throughout the season right now they're fourth in the league in terms of turnover percentage meaning they just don't turn over the ball and that's huge i mean if you're if you're giving up possessions when you're basically you know getting two points every time uh the opponent is getting three like you're you're just at a complete deficit there um the rebounding speaks for itself like you gotta you gotta clean possessions um and you know vooch has been the number one defensive box out guy in the league, very Robin Lopez um, mm-hmm. type numbers there where, where he was boxing guys out, but the team wasn't necessarily grabbing the rebounds. And that could be some flukiness that could be uh, players being out of position. Um, you know, I think for one, like offensive and defensive rebounding are two very different skills. And so you put Tristan Thompson out there on the floor to try to like clean up the defensive rebounding. He's not good at that. He's good offensive rebounder. He fights, mm-hmm. he gets in position for those, but he's not great at boxing out. And, um, I think you, by trying to improve your defensive rebounding and failing, you're sacrificing a lot, um, in the other areas of the game. And then, uh, free throw line, um, getting to the line, DeMar's been fantastic at that all year. Zach's been a lot better. So they're doing, you know, basically one of those, two of those things at a high level still. Um, and if, and again, if you're not going to shoot threes, if you're not going to, um, defend at a high level, then you got to win on the four factors. And, and right now they're just not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many times we can talk about pick and roll defense, right? At, at some point, like <laughs> it becomes nauseating. And I say this as a guy that wrote about uh, the Bulls troubles on defense this year, uh, this week rather on, uh, on, for the, on the website there. But so much of this just stems back to the same old conversation that we were having last year and the years before. Like it's 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 the point of attack defense, it's it's pick and roll coverage and the flow and effect that that has. And the Bulls are just making so so many basic execution errors to the point where, you know, I hear conversations about you know whatever the record may be against these better teams in the East, you know, whatever it is now, one in five thousand. At least that's what it feels like. But like it's it's not to me just a talent issue. Like looking at the 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 Bulls opponent yesterday, like the Celtics, they're not. I don't get the sense, and even the Heat, like I don't get the sense that they're overwhelmingly more or, or they have more talent than the Bulls. Uh, you know, if you want to make the case that the Sixers have that and the Bucks have that because you know they have a top five guy, an MVP guy, and that type of player is just so much more important than someone who's maybe the twelfth best a twelfth best player in the NBA, whatever the situation may be. Like I, I can live with that argument. But against like teams like the Heat and the Celtics, to me, what it all it all comes down to an execution thing. And, and there was a play yesterday, and you know I'm a big Javante fan, but you know being objective about things, there was a play where the Bulls scored yesterday, and literally the moment they scored, the Celtics were able to get into transition despite having an end ball situation, and Javante was back cut on a on a, on a transition play, and like those things just can't happen. Like maybe that's an outlier. Maybe that's um you know that won't happen again. But what what is consistently happening is just the poor pick and roll defense. And you know we've talked about the injuries and the fact that you're just playing more pick and roll uh, situations without Lonzo and now Caruso, who even when he has been back hasn't been good, frankly. Um, like his defense has been fine, but certainly not Caruso levels. Uh, we won't talk about his offense because that's been um, really bad. But nonetheless, I suppose you're just having more situations where you're having your your poorer defenders in pick and roll sequences and that's obviously problematic and then you, Billy's just unfortunately having to play more lineups to where he's got three or four guys on the court who aren't noted defensive players mm-hmm. like he's putting in Kobe out there with Levine uh, Vooch and and DeRozan not because he necessarily wants to but we've talked about the offense being you know poor 
and, and it's stalling at times and needing a bit of a jolt, then what do you do? Like, do you, do you put out a defensive guy to hopefully get stops with those three and then try to fuel your transition game? Or do you throw someone like Kobe out there to maybe fuel the offense? Some? Like, it, it's a problematic uh, situation. But to me, it just comes back to, to basic execution errors and, and so much of that stems in the pick and roll, unfortunately, which is, again, the same old conversation we've been having for the last 12, 18, 24 months. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what Billy was talking about last night in terms of like this level of focus and precision that you need to have if you want to compete with these teams. And, you know, I hate to continue to repeat myself, but like the Bulls aren't talented enough to like mm-hmm. not play perfect. Yep. Like they they need to there's no margin for error. They need to execute every single possession at a super high level. They cannot afford to get beat on that stuff because they're just not talented enough to make up for it. So uh, I think that's kind of what I, that's part of what I mean when I say like, is this just like a mentally weak team? Like you can't, you can't put yourself in a position where you give up a back cut and now the game is over. Like you, you need to be able to turn off those mistakes and, uh, mm-hmm if anything, so that like they're going to happen, like, you know, things like that are going to come up, but it's just the repeated, you know, when it happens and then it happens again and again and again, and the game is like over like the, the bucks game that they played uh, before this most recent one, Kobe followed Pat Connaughton with like three minutes to go in the first quarter on a three. It was tied. And then literally the game Game was over over. game over. Yep. (laughs) They need to have more, of the mental capacity to turn off the the switch on this stuff so that they can at least try to stay in games. It's so wild because what's so frustrating about it guys is, is what Marque is saying. Like it's the simple things that they're losing on. You know, it's not like I can look at the other team and see the complicated schemes and things that they're running. They're killing them with the simple things. And I hate, you hate to repeat yourself. I hate to repeat myself on this. You know, Alonzo and what he does best is, you know, the fundamentals. That's what he does well. That's what Caruso also. They, they're fundamentally sound. And the Bulls on defense are not fundamentally sound. You know, there's no communication out there. That's one of the biggest things. Nobody's talking to each other out there either when those things are come. I'm tired of seeing Caruso getting destroyed on screens, you know, when he was getting hurt. When, that's one, when, you know, he's got a back injury. Well, some of that's because, you know, he's getting screened to death on some of those plays, man. And, I mean, getting hit hard. Um, and it's just – so frustrating because it's so simple and it's not like these other teams are doing anything new to them they're like well let's just do the simple thing and we know they can't stop the simple thing and once that happens and occurs the bulls are like well they figured us out (laughs) you know the floodgates are open go ahead and you know we'll, we'll let them hit these layups and score the ball so that's what's frustrating on on defense because that death by a thousand cuts defense that was being run was happening because one, they had guys that were always in the passing lane, so other teams couldn't, you know, just run their run their plays like they wanted to. They were very, it was very disruptive. You don't see that anymore. They're just doing what they want out there, as far as whatever play they want to run, whatever play they want to get. You definitely saw that watching Boston. Every play down the floor, it was just whatever they felt like doing on the offense. That's exactly what they did, and it would end in a wide open shot. And the other one is like you said, uh, Will. They start that getting back to fouling those three point shooters it's just so freaking annoying you know what i mean because it, it's a thing now you know what i'm saying it see it so much that it's a thing and you're seeing it with yeah. the guards you see it with io you see it with kobe you need to see you see it with these guys and then once that happens like you stated with the uh connington one 
once that happens, it's depleting for them. And then it's a wrap and then it's done and they don't <laughs> they don't execute anymore after that. So, yeah, but that's what the most frustrating thing is. It's the fun. They're not fundamentally sound and they're being killed with simplicity. And that's what and I think. Yeah, I, th I think like this all boils down to attention to detail, because if you are where you're supposed to be, then you're not out of position. And if you're not out of position, then you're not, you know, chasing on these rotations and following guys. Um and, you know, closing out too hard to where they, uh, you know, attack the closeout and get into the paint. And now the entire defense is shifting around. Like this team just doesn't have that level of playoff focus and attention to detail. Mm. And again, like they're not going to compete in, if that's the case, because they're not good enough to, to get away with that. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of things to add on what you guys said, and then we'll move on. Uh, Big Dave, your, your thought about the bulls and fouling three-point shooters it's not just three-point shooters you know billy was harping on it i feel like a, after a lot of those losses back in march good defense and playing aggressive defense without fouling and that becoming an issue the bulls did a pretty good job in the first half of the season before the all-star break they were giving up just 20.8 free throw attempts to their opponents per game that was 13th in the nba so you know a little bit above average middle of the pack after the All-Star break, they're giving up 25.6 free throw attempts per game to their opponents, which is 24th. So almost five more free throw attempts per game that they are surrendering to their opponents on a nightly basis. And, and then, Will and Mark, what you guys said about just execution and, and just simple, like, mind-boggling mistakes as far as just defensive execution, to me, that is where you really notice the absences and and the fact that, even since Alex Crusoe has come back, he clearly is not playing at 100%. Like, this looks like 50% Alex Caruso to me. And when he and Lonzo were out there together, especially when they shared minutes on the floor, their collective defensive IQ and effort level, along with that execution, was enough to mask so many mistakes that their teammates were making. Those two defenders equaled five, essentially. And that's what allowed the Bulls to be a fake good defense for a while. With a 50% Caruso and still zero Lonzo, it's like, of course this defense is going to look like it has. And then on top of that, like, it's not just replacement level guys coming back in to, to like, fill in for Lonzo, right? It's like, it's Kobe. And he's not good. And... um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think also Lonzo and Caruso are really aggressive risk takers on defense. Mm -hmm. And that was another situation where things were going right. And when they were going right, it was all good. And there was nothing that could really slow them down. But now they're in a position where they can't take those risks because they don't have anybody to do it. And so that's cutting into the transition offense. Uh, to Mark's point, the two sides of the floor are connected. And if you're not getting the stops, if you're not getting um, any opportunities in transition. And, and that's, I think, why somebody like Derek Jones Jr. and Javante stick out to me as something that the Bulls can go to. Because like we can talk about the problems um, as much as we want. Like <laughs> There are plenty mm. of them to go around. But <laughs> I, I think solutions-wise, um, th that's where I want to see some more creativity. Uh, Billy has tried out a couple of different lineups, Javante and Derek Jones Jr. Mm -hmm. last night together, Tristan and uh, Derek Jones together last night. 
even Tristan and Vucevic, which, you know, I, I can live without, but Your favorite. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I do think they need to, the offense is, is going to be a problem right now until they start making shots. And we don't know who that's going to come from or when. So whatever they can do to get themselves uh, some momentum defensively, I think is really where they need to focus their efforts in these last two games, because it seems like they're not going to be resting guys. It seems like they're committed to trying to like finish out the season strong, not quit on the season, not quit on themselves and try to problem solve here. So that that's what I want to see. Hey, but will, but mm-hmm. also to what you said, it's not just they were risk takers; they were calculated risk takers. Like Lonzo saw that play happening three moves ahead, and then he's making that risk, and it made it simple mm-hmm. for guys like Io because it frees him up to just play the passing lanes, you know, and show showcase what he really does well. You know what I'm saying? Using his length, you know, to bother teams and to bother of uh, uh, ball handlers and things like that because he knows who's got his back back there. But then it's just things going completely bad because you remember the play yesterday where they had when Io steals the ball, you know, it goes into the corner and completely blows the layup. You know what I'm saying? Like it's stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? That's happening. Yeah, you see it, man. Matt was there with me watching that. Like it's stuff like that that's happening. That's super frustrating as well. That's what I love about Lonzo is, you know, we talk about uh, not being able to not being able to afford not executing Lonzo was able to take those risks and then cover up when things didn't go right. Like he could, you know, I've tweeted out a bunch of clips of his, just the incredible help defense and ability to fly around the court. Like he can try to go steal a ball that's like on the opposite side of the court and then get back and then rotate to help somebody else who's now out of position and get back in time because he's that talented. And that's, that's kind of what I mean when, I say that they're not talented enough to have these sort of lapses. Like Lonzo mm-hmm. was that guy off ball defensively. Crusoe was that guy on ball defensively. Uh, Damar is that guy on the ball offensively. Zach as well. Like they, they basically weathered the storm of Vucevic playing or, or shooting the ball terribly over the entire season at this point mm-hmm. um, because they were playing at such high level. And now, that's just not the case anymore. All right. Um, real quick, one more word from our friends at Points Bet, and then we'll move on to our final topic of the day. Billy Donovan, is he getting too much blame for Bulls fans? Mark K has thoughts. Um, if you enjoy CHGO and what we do here and want to help us continue to do it, one way to do that is to download the Points Bet app. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you getting those two risk free bets up to $2,000. But if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll get a free membership to CHGO, which unlocks all of our amazing web content, including writing about your beloved Bulls by Will Gottlieb, Marquet, myself, plus everybody else on our CHGO staff covering their respective Chicago beats. You'll even get a free Chicago, uh, a free CHGO shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker and access to our members-only Discord chat channels, one for each Chicago team. If you got any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois, which means you can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Big Dave, tell them what to do. You live 
your bet life. Mm. <laughs> we're uh, we're recording this uh, late on Thursday afternoon. I'm getting excited. We got a TNT doubleheader tonight. The first of which Ooh. is Bucks Celtics. You know, you know, I'm throwing some bets on that. You know, Go I got here. to. And then, and then the second, uh, the second of the TNT doubleheader tonight is. Uh, Featuring the everybody is sitting because their season is over. Lakers, that's that's gonna be a dud. That's gonna be a dud. But you know what? I'll still probably throw some bets on it because why not? Um. All right. So, in our in our Bulls channel uh, on Slack earlier today, Mark, he said, "I want to talk about something." <laughs> why you sound drunk? Yeah, like, what I, you have? I, so I I read it as if you were like loud and angry, like I get loud and angry. Um. <laughs> Oh, I think it's because you use the phrase. Um, what's the what's the phrase? Piss, piss. I don't tears, even know. Whatever. Ah, oh, shit me to tears. Shit no? me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have now learned is a saying down in Australia, and I love it. <laughs> uh, sir, sir, what is on your mind? Well. Bulls fans, they they do shit me to tears at times. And maybe I amplify the voices of a few certain people. I'm thinking of one in particular, my friend Vincent Wong. Vincent, if you're listening, I hope you're well, my friend. But um, yeah, look, I, I, I think that annoys me with the fan base more generally. And maybe this is bad of me to be calling out a fan base, given I'm podcasting two fans right now. But I, what annoys me is how years, we Mark, have to... Ahead. <laughs> what, what what annoys me is how we have to find scapegoats and and maybe it annoys me because the the scapegoats this season have been people that are i i like so maybe that's why i'm <laughs> i'm um, extra on this on this particular topic but it seems like right now that certain segments or factions are within the fan base are coming after billy donovan based on how the Bulls are playing right now. And, and you know, we've talked about the, the offense, defense, how it's problematic, how the Bulls are 6-14 and 14 over the last 20-odd games, whatever their offensive and uh, def- defensive ratings may be, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, a lot of a lot of us have taken aim to the players, whether it's Vooch, whether it's whoever it may be. But now, now the attention's coming to Billy. And for me, at least, like, in terms of how I prioritize things, in terms of how I want to assign blame, to me, like Billy, I won't say he's absolved of all blame, but in terms of priorities of where I want to assign that blame, he is literally last for me. That's mm-hmm. that's how I feel about the situation. And whilst I can bang on about why I think that's the case, and you know, I can get on my soapbox here for the next 10 minutes and do so, that's not necessarily uh, great podcasting. So I wanted to throw it to you guys as to, am I wrong in feeling that Billy Donovan is not you know, free of blame, but to me, at least, he's the last person that should be catching heat. To me, this is, coming back to what we talked about before, execution stuff. The players need to own so much of the blame. And I broached this topic, it was either last week or the week before, but I think AK and Mark Eversley need to take some heat as well. And they're not at the moment. And it annoys me that they're not. And it annoys me certain players are not taking heat. And instead, Billy's the one that's catching it at the moment now. So, I guess my question to you guys is, am I wrong to be thinking that Billy Donovan is not blameless, but should at least be last in terms of priorities? Maybe you guys feel differently. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. But from, from my perspective, at least, like I don't know what he's meant to do. Uh, there's certain things that annoy me that Billy does. But again, it's not it's not you know fundamental to the, to the issues that the Bulls are having right now. So I don't know. Am, am I wrong in trying to... Uh, you know, become a, a Donovan apologist 
in addition to my um, being a vuchapolitist. I don't know. I don't know if you're wrong. I guess it's just the order of how you see things. Because for me, when it comes to like, and I think blame is a strong word, but when I'm criticizing what's going on on the floor, it's player, coach, front office. That's always been my order of how I looked at it. Um, and I give guys time before I like come down on them and stuff like that. Like uh, you got to get acclimated. You got to figure stuff out. I got to see what you like to do. It's not going to look pretty the first time you're doing it. Nothing does. And then once you figure it out and you get the ball rolling, then I can start properly judging you. Like next year, you'll really see some, some of it next year is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this year I haven't laid into people or anything like that because I'm like, well, this is all kind of brand new, but yeah, when somebody does something, I think is incorrect. I think it's okay to call them out for it. I don't think you should go to the extreme, but you know, we're kind of talking about Bulls fans that they, they go pretty extreme <laughs> in their blames and, and who they're, who they don't like and who should go and who should be fired and all this other kind of thing. But I don't have a problem with uh, someone criticizing uh, AK or Eversley. I, I don't, I, I'm, I guess right now they, they're still in that grace period for me because this is the first year of something I've seen them put together. And this is the first year of Billy Donovan coaching that team that they put together. So I kind of just not, I let it take its course kind of thing before I just go all in and just, you know, have at it with them. Will? Um, I think, yeah, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'll say this, like there, Billy is definitely not blameless. No, um, I think that there are flaws in the way that this team was built. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned it before that, um, you know, two things can be true. Like you should go out and get a guy like Vucevic, but you also overpay for him. Um, same with DeMar. Like these moves have largely worked out and I applaud them for making those moods moves. Um, but it also left the Bulls roster in a position where they're shorthanded in a lot of ways and they don't have a ton of assets in the cupboard to go out and get better. Um, the players need to make their shots. Uh, I think they, they need to execute when they're on the floor. I would say for me, the area where I think I, and I don't know if this is on Billy, but I would imagine so is the the lack of adjustments i think what we've seen so far is basically the same thing that we've seen when things were good and it's the same thing we're seeing now when things are not going well and for me when you get kicked in the mouth you have to be able to adjust to that and in the playoffs it needs to happen in a game or two over the regular season maybe you have a little bit more leeway but for how long it took them to figure out how to beat a zone early on in the season, for how long it took them to beat these traps later on in the season. Um, and I know Billy's been teaching them, you know, watching the film with them, walking through it and shoot arounds, like literally breaking down where the ball is supposed to go when the trap comes, what are the reads, what order are the reads in? Like, I'm not saying Billy hasn't like coached this stuff, but at some point, if you're not able to execute, I do think that there is a sort of shared blame between the players and the coaches for either not executing and or not figuring out how to execute. And, you know, I don't have the answers to that, but I'm not paid $5 million a year to be the head coach to have the answers to that. So, uh, you know, I wish I was, but 
Um, yeah. So I, again, I, I don't like criticize or heavily blame or, you know, knock knocking down the doors with my pitchforks for any of these guys. But I also think that there's blame to go around when things aren't going well. And I mean, like, yes, they had a great first half of the season. Billy was a large piece of putting that together. The offense was humming there. He figured out a way to like put together a not only good defense, but a great defense with pieces that probably shouldn't have been there. And you have to give him credit for that. But you also have to look at the second half and say, well, what's going on now that's making these things not work? And is that Billy's fault? I would say partially is that the roster construction? I would say partially is that the players? I would say, you know, you got you to gotta make your shots. <laughs> well, okay. real quick, Matt, real quick, yeah. just to sit on what Will said. If you remember, Matt, at the beginning when they got Billy Donovan, I said this a lot on Locked On. One of my biggest critiques of him was adjustments. Like, that was the one thing I was like, I'm not even going to get into it now because the Bulls are just learning how to walk. So I can't, I'm not even going to get into worrying about his adjustment. I said, when they start walking, then I'll start getting into that kind of thing. And they're starting to learn how to walk now, you know what I'm saying? Which is why you saw me do it early on a few games ago when I was critical about his adjustments. For, so for me, it's not new. It's not like he got here mm-hmm. and, you know what I'm saying, he did something different and I was critical of it. No, I was worried about it when they got him. That was my only thing I was worried about was that. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm agreeing. I'm just saying that to agree with what uh, Will, Will was saying. And you look like a million bucks, Will. It's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I largely <laughs> think that there is a, a fair amount of blame to go around, just as far as the, the downfall at the back end of the season. Um, I, I think you, you do have to give Billy credit for juggling all of what's gone on this season and the fact that, I mean... <laughs> If 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 Caruso and Lonzo both don't miss half the season, essentially, this is a fifty win team. I believe that. Like they they were band aids covering up a mediocre at best defense, but it was working pretty darn well. I, I mean, those two guys don't miss half the season, and this is a fifty plus win team. So yeah, you could critique Billy's lack of adjustment from game to game or spanning a season, he also was in a season where he had to try a lot of bunch of different stuff to try and figure out what works because he basically had a brand new roster. That takes time to figure out. The one thing that has bugged me a lot all season long, and as someone who watches a lot of basketball, I've never really been able to nail down who gets most of the blame, who should get most of the blame for it between, I'm talking about player uh, players or their coach, is the Bulls coming out flat. That has been a problem all season long. They dig themselves these holes, and then they exhaust themselves trying to get back in games, and a lot of those games they end up losing. Is not coming out with the right level of energy and execution of something that's on the players or something that's on their coach or some combination of the two? I don't know the answer to that formula because I'm not a coach or player in the National Basketball Association, but that's frustrating, and whatever – Whatever percentage of blame splits there between players and coach, that's there, and it bugs me. Here's what I'll say about AK and Eversley not getting heat. I essentially count this as year one. Last season, they inherited a mess and had to evaluate just how big of a mess they inherited and then go about overhauling the roster. And they overhauled it entirely save for Zach and Kobe. And let's be honest, Kobe's probably gone this summer. 
did they overpay, as you said, Will, for Vooch and, and for DeMar in the signing trade? Yeah. Pretty much hard not to overpay when you're acquiring star talent in the NBA. Is Vooch a disappointment considering what you paid for what you thought was star talent? Sure. Even as a Vooch apologist like Mark, I will absolutely admit that. Here's the other thing when it comes to me defending AK and Eversley right now. Maybe you disagree with the fact that you count that I'm counting this as year one instead of year two. It's not just the roster they had to overhaul. I mean, Mark Eversley said himself in some interview earlier this year that he was shocked by just how bare the front office cupboards were. They had to build out an organization that was basically picked down to bare bones. Mark Eversley couldn't believe how few people the Bulls had working, running the organization. That's a part of their job too, not just roster construction. So if I'm pointing fingers of blame at anybody this year for this little tailspin at the end of the year, it certainly ain't the guys who have only been here for two years who took over during a global pandemic and had to figure out just how much crap to sift through when they inherited the crap. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we've been going for near an hour here, so I could go on a long rant here about disagreeing with the majority of the points you just raised there, Matt. But I guess let me say this. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, in summation of everything that you guys have touched on, like, I referenced a lineup before where, you know, the Bulls are running out, you know, Javante, Tristan Thompson and uh, Derek Jones Jr. at the same time next to DeMar and how that just fundamentally doesn't make sense. Like initially when I saw that, I'm like, Billy, what are you doing? But then I stopped and I said, okay, well, what the hell is he meant to do? Like this, his, his bench is filled of, of guys that can't necessarily shoot or can't get out there to shoot. So in terms of the Bulls' inability to be a good three-point shooting team, like that to me isn't coaching. That's roster construction. When I see people blame the the style of offense or the shot profile of the team and how that's you know that comes back to coaching to me, I just can't get with that because who are your players? You got Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, two guys that want to get to the mid range, two guys who love being in ISO mode, two guys when trapped don't think pass instinctively. They think put the ball on the floor and let's try to dribble that through this damn thing. So to me, Will, when you're talking about you know, why did it take this team so long to to beat the trap? Why couldn't they just throw the ball over to Vooch and, and let their passing do the talking? To me, like that comes back to who these players are as, as players. And the, like the players need to own that element of it. And that's why the execution thing annoys me. But then from a roster construction standpoint, like this team is ultimately one that's living and dying by DeMar DeRozan. That's been very successful this season. But at the same time, when that happens, so much of your offense is going to be ISO and mid-range driven. So when those sorts of things happen and, you know, we talk about adjustments, talk about the offense not being a certain way, why don't they pass more? Why is Billy letting this thing be an ISO driven type offense? I Again, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm rationalizing it wrong, but I, this is how your roster is being put together. This is who your guys are and he's coaching them to who they are. Maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe I'm wrong in that respect, but... To me, uh, that that's why I'm, I'm I'm suggesting that you know it's on the players being pre- predominantly like whatever the split is. Well, let's just call it seventy percent. To me, I think that's that's how much should be thrown onto the players. I think you know maybe twenty percent go- goes to someone like AK and Mark Eversley who have obviously done good things. I'm not suggesting they haven't, but I think based on how the roster is concurrently constructed at the moment, we talk this talk about this being a thin margin of error team. Like they should take some some heat for that. And then if you want to assign, you know, the, the remaining five, 10%, whatever it may be to, to Donovan, then then that's fine. 
but um, I, I think it's heavily weighted to the players and, and then thereafter to the, uh, to the management team. And this is me signing off as the, uh, the, the, the Donovan apologist, but um, I, I just, it just annoys me that, that he's catching heat at the moment because I think he's, had, he's done a fantastic job this season. And I know people are disappointed. I know they're angry. And I know they want to assign blame elsewhere and it gets tiresome just continuously blaming the same old person, whether it's Vooch or someone else. And maybe that's why th- things have changed to, to Donovan now. But um, yeah, it, it, it bothers me. Will, Dave, any final thoughts to add on that? No, uh, I'm just, I don't know why, but I feel better after doing this show. Like, I feel like we got stuff <laughs> out that was inside and I feel better. I feel like I had a colon cleanse or something, man. Like, you got a lot of crap. <laughs> I don't want got to a lot of crap that. out of me, man. Like, for drink, real. Drink like, your athletic greens yet today, Dave? Oh, man, them 75 vitamins is hitting me, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but yeah, man, I, I, wow, that's that's a great way to put it. But again, like for me, that's always how that criticism goes. It will always go player, coach, and front office because maybe it's because, you know, I'm just visual in it. Like I'm looking at what's happening on the floor when I see it. And the front office will get that blame, of course, for sure. I mean, we, we live through it. We understand that. We know front office is going to get that blame when that time comes. But AK and Mark Eversley and what they've done, I honored them because they, they said what they wanted to do, and then they went out and they did it. And I've always liked that. They went and made the moves they said they wanted to make to get to where they wanted to get to. Uh, There's going to be mistakes along the way. I get all that. But when it's your first time and this is your first year doing it and this is what comes of that, I'm okay with it because your goal, he said, we want to go to the playoffs was the goal that he had. He said, I want to get in the playoffs. Well, you're there now. And now next year, that goal will be raised significantly because of what we saw this year. So then I think the proper judgment, or I should say on my level, the judgment will come more to that front office, but it will also come more to Billy Donovan and it will come more to the players. But I do agree with Mark in the sense that the players get the majority of that criticism uh, when it, when you're breaking it down percentage wise. Yeah, I guess I'm not really sure or honestly too concerned about like who gets what percent of the blame. I think when you look at the season on a whole and we've talked about it before and I, and actually Mark, I was just listening back to our, our uh, season predictions episode and I said 45 wins and six seed. And that is literally exactly where they ended up. Like we thought that they would be a, bottom end of the playoff high end play in team and that's who they are now the way that it happened was all over the place and we've seen this team be capable of winning 55 games uh and so everybody gets you know hit with covid everybody gets injured but it really does seem like the bulls had it worse than most teams and so it's hard to like to blame that part of it on Billy, it's hard to blame that part of it on anybody because how much blame does Grayson Allen get? All of it? Yeah, he could he could uh, be number one in the clubhouse there. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, this is like who the Bulls are as as a franchise. Like we're we're if Derek doesn't go down with the ACL, like that really set us back. And if Rondo doesn't break his thumb, who knows? It's, it's what I'm saying. Like when you look back at this season in history, it's gonna say. They won 45 games and they were mediocre. And that isn't the entire story because we know the context right now. Um, And so I would say it's hard to really blame anybody for those injuries. And I think that's really what derailed the season. Of course, the players have to 
Like Billy can't go out there and play for him. I, I feel like Jim Boylan said that at some point or another. Don't do but, uh, <laughs> but it's true. Like they've left he, his neuralizer can, at the office. Let's not do this. <laughs> my, my point is that like he can show them what to do, but they have to go out and do it. And so you can walk through these, you know, breaking the trap and all this stuff. Um, and I think there's plenty of blame to go around everywhere because this isn't a perfect season and it's a zero sum game, you know, like you need to win or you don't. And when you don't, things are bad and people need to assign blame certain places. So I don't, I'm not too concerned about any of that. I think the execution needs to be better. And if we're looking for some positives heading into the playoffs and reminder, they made the playoffs. They're going Remind to the them. playoffs. <laughs> Remind uh, them. That's, that was, that was the goal. And, and they made it again. It happened in a different way than what they thought. But uh, I do think this season overall was a success. And if you are going to assign blame, you should also assign, you know, success and credit where it's mm. due. And I think Billy and AK and the players have all deserved a ton of credit for what they've been able to accomplish this year. All facts. That's a good note to end on. Um Wow. We covered a lot of ground in that hour-long podcast. Yeah. Good job, guys. Uh, yes. All right. So we will be back for Bulls pregame uh, at our downtown studios Friday, 6.30 Chicago time before Bulls Hornets. We'll see if Billy keeps this uh, going with playing Zach, throwing him out there. As of Thursday afternoon, he was listed probable. Uh, Caruso questionable. So we'll see what happens there. Either way, we'll be there with a 6.30 pregame show for you guys uh, right there on our CHGO Sports YouTube channel. In the meantime, you can follow us all on Twitter. Mark's at MK Hoops. Will is at Won't Gottlieb. I think you should change your handle to Won't the Goat Gottlieb. It's a, li- it's a little long and stringy. It's a little long. It's a little long and stringy, but I like it. Uh, Dave's Bowel, B-A-W-L Sports. Bow. I am Bulls underscore Peck. We collectively are CHGO <laughs> underscore Bulls. Until next time, Bulls Nation, see Red be good.